Welcome to Motherhood on Tap, the podcast for mamas who laugh their way through the struggles of parenting. I'm Sarah Duncan. And today we are going to be continuing with part two of the crazy parenting advice throughout history episode. If you haven't caught last week's episode yet, be sure to go back and hit that first because there is some crazy stuff that you need to hear. But before we jump in, let's enjoy a little crap from the internet. I saw this last week and I thought it was fascinating. Um, There was a swarm of ladybugs so huge that it showed up on the National Weather Service radar. What? Out in California. Did you hear about this? No. It's so cool. So the meteorologists noticed something on their radar screens in Southern California last Tuesday evening. And it was this big green blob. Mm -hmm. And that usually indicates rain, like heavy rain. Right. Um, and it was, but that was strange because it was a relatively clear day. They weren't really expecting any rain or thunderstorms. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on their radar, they were seeing something that indicated that something was out there. You know, something yeah. was going on. So the me- meteorologist called a weather spotter out in Wrightwood, California, near where the blobs location in San Bernardino County. The spotter told him. The mysterious cloud was actually a giant swarm of ladybugs. That is insane. And ladybugs are tiny. Like, how big would the swarm have to be to be able to show up? Exactly. Uh So, the phenomenon is known as a ladybug bloom. So, you know how we always, you always wonder what clusters of things Uh are, like a murder. It's a bloom. It's a bloom. And while this one appears particularly large, it's not the first time local meteorologists have spotted the beetles. So on the rainstorm, so on the radar, the cloud of insects looked like a light rainstorm. Mm-hmm. Not quite the density of a severe thunderstorm. They were flying about a mile above the ground um, in the cloud that was about ten miles wide. Wow! <laughs> the massive beetles were spotted heading south just before nine p.m. on Tuesday night. Hmm. Here's my thing. Imagine looking out your window. What is that? <laughs> And I start hearing them. Yeah. The weather watchers lost sight of the cloud overnight, and the ladybug's current location isn't clear. California has numerous species of ladybugs, so it's not sure what kind the cloud was made up of. Ladybug Gate 2019. Uh, let's see, but it is their their most common is the convergent lady beetle that's out there. Um, they're plentiful in California, and people across the country buy them because they eat pests such as aphids. Yeah, aphids. What are aphids? Beet other beetles? Some other kind of bug. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are migratory. They cycle between the lush valleys of, in California, and then when it starts to warm up, they'll go up to the mountains where it gets a little cooler. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are three cues that determine when the species will move: food resources, temperatures, and length of the day. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. So typically, such large numbers wouldn't be moving at the same time, but somehow the combination of cues must have all sort of synchronized so they all went at the same time, like, come on, we're going on vacation. Hey, everybody! <laughs> Pack up, kids! 
it's time to go with your cousins. <laughs> We're going to the family reunion. <laughs> See your five bazillion relatives. <laughs> your six thousands first cousins, and you better remember their names. <laughs> the 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 best news probably would be that there's just a lot of agriculture in California, and the conditions are so good that populations are high. Mm-hmm. The less good news would be that something is happening, that something is affecting their um, phenology in a way mm-hmm. that could put them out of sync with uh, with where they need to be safe and where they need to find prey, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Previously, a swarm of numerous lady uh, bugs had even headed south towards Mexico. Hmm. This makes me think of the plagues of locusts that yes. came across the Midwest in the 1930s. That yes. mess was insane. It ate like all the crops and vegetation and like three or four states worth of vegetation. And they were already basically either in the middle of or recovering from the dust bowl. So it's like, come on now. <laughs> well, I remember someone from out West. I hate spiders, uh-huh. but I don't know if it's Nevada or, um, or Arizona, but tarantulas will migrate. Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. And they said they came up. And it looked like something was in the road, and they turned their brights on, and it was just tarantulas no. crossing. No, this cannot the, be a thing in the middle of the desert. Now I don't know if they were just telling me that. It just freaked me the hell out because uh-huh. I hate spiders. And the only reason that they they stopped was because they started to drive, and they were hearing the crunching. Oh, don't tell me that. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't have a phobia of spiders, <laughs> but it doesn't mean I want to run into that. <laughs> no, Ugh. that would be hell. Like that meme where it's like all the spider webs and stuff, and it's like, would you go through this for a loved one? I'm like, no, they're just going to have to die. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, well, you didn't say that this that this loved one was in trouble. Just they can come through my side. Like, w- would you go through the spider web to save your friend's life or your, your, your spouse's life? No. Am I allowed to go find a stick to knock said web down first? No, no. It, this is, have you not seen that picture? It's like a huge thick with like multiple nope. spiders all around it. Nope. 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 No, I, I showed it to, to Marcus and I was like, sorry, you would just die. Nope. You would just, you would die probably because I would set all of that shit on fire. Bardot! <laughs> Be like, sorry, honey, I love you, but I hate spiders more. Pshh. So it sounds like ladybugs are like one of the nicest plagues you could hope to be hit with. <laughs> yes, because they will eat those tiny little pests along the way. And Can they come eat all the mosquitoes and the gnats around here, please? I wish they would eat the mosquitoes. <sighs> something. I need to put a bat colony in my backyard or something. Well, I always tell... Um, we have a ton of tree frogs, and Aww. I tell the girls to leave them alone. I say, don't mess with them. Don't scare the frogs away. And then we also have a bunch of toads. Mm-hmm. And Marcus said something. I was like, don't you dare to eat mosquitoes. They do. They eat mosquitoes. Yeah. But he's just like, they're everywhere. I'm like, I don't give a poop that they're everywhere. They're toads and frogs. They're good. It's fine. It's just annoying because late at night we're trying to go to sleep and we hear the giant bullfrog burp. Matt is so happy ever since we- Marcus <laughs> filled the pond in because that every once in a while there would be bullfrogs just sitting in there right below our bed. They are loud window. as crap. It doesn't bother me that much, but for him it's just like, I, ah, bullfrogs! Yeah. Bullfrogs have followed us wherever we've lived and he can't, he can't stand hearing them. 
And I don't, like you said, I don't even notice it until he points it out. But he'll be, he's like, oh, shut up. <laughs> well, I'm glad he's happy that it's filled in now and he doesn't Yay. have, you don't have to hear all the creaks and critters and everything. The death pond is filled in. Yes. So those are my craps. Good craps. Some short and sweet and light for us. Mm-hmm. I read on to the 1940s and 50s. Yes, just move on and I'll show you the picture later. So, um, in the late 1940s and early, and obviously in the 1950s, that's, you know, when we started having the, the economic boom again after yeah. uh, World War II kind of helped put us back into manufacturing and got people back to work and all those good things. So, there are some things that keep continuing on that we talked about already, but then there are also some new new fun things that come up as you know new technology and new new science comes out so in the 1940s um pregnant women should not listen to the radio at high volumes they simply may get too excited <laughs> shut the f up excited over i don't under, i don't understand i don't understand in those suggestions like they get to how do you define excited like they get you get too nervous you get too happy it it just goes back to this antiquated idea that like women are so <laughs> fragile and delicate and oh their their feminine sensibilities just oh, can't true. handle excitement i'm like oh shut up so i i find this interesting i feel like every generation <laughs> seems to have some form of this because like right now these days we talk a lot about how kids these days are like the most coddled and spoiled and yeah. everything is so much about self-esteem and stuff like that but it seems like every generation has been critical of its and that its children are being too coddled uh-huh so in the 1940s they were they were specifically saying oh excuse me stop coddling boys so author philip wiley wrote a book called generation of vipers and he started out by saying that the problem with 1940s American culture was middle-aged overweight mothers who were raising namby-pamby princes, princes ill-suited to the rigors of real life, and he called American boys the most prissy people on earth. Again, toxic masculinity. But what, what does the woman's age and weight have to do with anything? It did effing patriarchy uh this was happening he explained nonsensically um because mothers simply didn't have enough household work to do <laughs> hitherto mom has been so busy raising a large family keeping <laughs> keeping house doing chores and fabricating every everything in every home except for the floors and the walls that she was rarely a problem to her family and to her equally busy friends and never one to herself. Usually until recently, mom folded up and died of hard work somewhere in the middle of her life and didn't have time to coddle her, her sons. What a garbage human. Moms aren't working hard enough. And that's the problem that we are having with society. Clearly. 
That's why I started laughing. I'm sorry. Only just because, I I mean, even now to this day, we're like, we can't get it all done. It's so utterly ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It is laughable. I'm like, (laughs) I mean, I've been sick all week and I could be like, I was like, well, I'm starting to feel better. And I go to start to clean. Uh And then I just start to get really anxious and nervous because I'm also trying to reduce my antidepressants before I give birth. And so. I'm just like, nope, 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 yeah. nope. <laughs> I can't do this right now. <laughs> so, you know, that's fun. Yep. Um, Next one. It's a ton of BS. This one makes me cringe <clears throat> just thinking about Daisy and, like, all the eczema she had, especially last year where it would, like, bleed. Oh, no. It says, wash your baby at least once a day when it's hot out up to three times a day. Oh. <sighs> And again, knowing what we know now about how delicate their skin is, like you, at first you're recommend to like wash them a couple times a week. Maybe. That's why I said I can't imagine putting lard on a stinky baby. <laughs> but at least it would be very soft and moisturized. Maybe that was the thought. I don't know. I just remember slathering, slathering Sabrina and Aurora and Vaseline like so much that they were slippery <laughs> in the pajamas. I was thinking that you like such slippery babies. They were. Sli- I mean, well, I mean, it was the only thing that would keep it from bleeding. Anyway, yeah, three times a day. Mm-hmm. First of all, who the hell has time to bathe a kid three times? A day? Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> this next one also makes me a little bit furious as a feminist but you know what <laughs> all this stuff's probably going to um so in the 1950s no baby proofing they, yeah. it was strongly discouraged experts believe that baby baby proofing was a sign of lazy parenting and that a child should learn not what not to touch with the help of their mother yelling at them to put stuff down i'm sorry we're too busy trying to you know, keep busy with housework per the last piece of advice you gave us. Because we don't do enough. I hate everything. There are a few people from this uh, this segment that I would like to punch in the face a little bit, but they're probably dead. So, yay! How about Mr. Dr. Watson, who told you not to love or coddle or, you know, give any kisses? Shake your kids. Go up, you know, tomorrow morning, shake Daisy's hand because you don't want to show her too much affection. See, I do some, like, Oh, honey, oh, sweetie, someone clearly didn't love you enough as a child. But this one, it's just like, oh, you you simple-minded women, you just don't know what you're doing to your children. You shouldn't be doing that. I'm like, oh, shut up. You don't know what's good for you. So angry. Um, This is nothing compared to the coffee one you said a minute ago, but it's safe <laughs> and encouraged to give babies soda pop. What? Poor little gassy babies. Oh my god, the amount of hurling I had done on me. <laughs> Could you imagine? I'd be like, here, Roar, drink some ginger ale. Like, dude, I get, like, painful gas bubbles from soda, let alone teeny tiny babies with I developing systems. I didn't systems. let Sabrina, I mean, I'm not trying to be a health nut when I say this, but I didn't let her have soda until last year because she has always had trouble with gas. Mm-hmm. That I was just like, no. No, no. So I finally let her have just the little eight ounce cans, but uh-huh. she only drinks half of that because then I know in about an hour she'll be like, Mommy, it hurts. I'm Aww. like, it's because of the gas. Speaking of gas bubbles, boo. <laughs> and the last one I have um, 1950s postpartum treatment. Oh, shit. Are you, are you ready for this? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. So mothers who reported feeling sad after their babies were, were born were in. 
were not instructed to see a doctor or a psychiatrist, but instead they should go strip furniture. It's a good way to channel your, your sadness and your energy into something productive. That was according to a 1958 issue of Mother and Baby. That, to me, that would almost fuel, like, a manic episode. Like, yeah. if you're one of those people that, like, have a mania where you need to start doing stuff and then you don't yeah. stop. There's, and that's one of those ones where, again, that's a combination of, we still barely understand psychology and what's happening in the brain of any human, but let alone women. Like, back then, they, like, we really knew nothing. And so, it's just like, oh, again, you know, you... you you silly, you, you silly, delicate woman. Just go do blah, blah, blah. Strip. I mean, do you know how hard it is, one, to strip furniture and then stain it I and just, paint it? I just wonder what was the conversation where they ended up landing on that, of all things. <laughs> now keep your mind off of wanting to kill yourself. I'm sorry to laugh. I'm sorry. The, var- I, I the just... varnish will give you a nice buzz. <laughs> go get uh. a contact high. Uh, oh, slap some lead on no there. Wonder, no wonder people drank so much back in the 50s and 60s. Slap some lead on sled paint on there. Go lick it. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Yay! Good time to be alive. Mommy um, feels so much better now. <laughs> oh, good times. Um, that's all I have for the 40s and 50s. Okay. I have the 1960s and 70s. Yay! Which some of the stuff from the 50s bleeds into the 60s. Absolutely. But there are some societal changes mm-hmm. that changes it. But I have dubbed the 1960s the rise of authoritarian parenting. Okay. So the 1960s were a time of great social change. Um, one of the most important changes was that birth control became widely available for women. Yeah, Which made family planning possible. Another important change was a post-World War II society in which mothers had more time to spend with, with children due to modern conveniences such as the washing machine. Right. You don't have to spend all day beating everything with a rock down at the river. To the man who said, we had nothing to do, go get you a washboard and a rock. (laughs) Uh, And shove it up your ass. (laughs) Um, And also, post-war mentality focused less on the discipline and conformity necessary for the military and more on individuality. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and then just as a brief definition, I know several episodes back we went into different parenting styles when we were talking about helicopter parenting, Mm -hmm. but authoritarian authoritarian parenting involves usually high parental demand. Parents tend to demand obedience without explanation and focus on status. Corporal punishment is common Mm -hmm. choice of punishment. Yelling is another form of of discipline for authoritarian parents. Sounds super healthy. So lovely. All right, so here's some things. Um, it's amazing that babies survived back then because pregnant women smoke and drink. It was actually pretty encouraged, mm-hmm. um, basically because they didn't know what damage that could be out there. Exactly. There was no, they didn't have any idea about fetal alcohol syndrome or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, smoking was actually emulated and encouraged, like, to smoke around your kids. Mm-hmm. So, um, mom and dad thought it was adorable to also pose toddlers with unlit cigarettes or pipes in cutesy photos. Mm, um, teen, so teen smoking was sometimes considered a sign of maturity. 
Mm-hmm. Kids were routinely sent to the store to buy cigarettes for the parents where no one questioned them. Right. I mean, I even think back to like the first editions of Emily Post's etiquette book. They She even had sections in there on how to correctly hold a cigarette yes. and things like that. Like between a boy and a girl, like how you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, And then we also have unsafe cribs and sleeping habits. So babies were still um, continued to be set to sleep on their bellies, Mm -hmm. which we know now is a no-no. Not so good. Cribs were made with dangerous drop rails, slats so wide an infant's head could get stuck, places where tiny fingers could get caught, and choking hazards were just a few of the problems. Yay! And um, I didn't know this, but sadly it took several fatalities and amputated limbs before... (gasps) Crib manufacturers decided, um, yeah, that's what it said, before crib manufacturers decided to make standards. Oh, for some reason, the amputations part really hit me. Well, if you think about tiny fingers getting caught and things like that. I'm not going to go in there at all. Poor things. That's awful. um, The no child proofing also continued into the 1960s because, you know, you got to get... Gotta toughen them up. Gotta weed out the weak ones. Speaking of that, so all candy, gum, and cereals were loaded with sugar. And if they didn't have sugar, um, as my mom would tell you, there was a giant sugar bowl in the middle of the table and you Mm -hmm. just dumped it on your cornflakes until it was nice and tasty. I definitely did that with uh, some... I did uh, that with some Cheerios. Oh, gosh. What are they called? Uh, Rice Krispies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Playing outside unsupervised or with no sunscreen on. Mm-hmm. So... Because, again, we didn't know much about sunskin damage either. Actually, back then, uh, moms would slather you with suntan lotion, mm-hmm. not to protect you, but to make your skin look darker because mm-hmm. they wanted you to look tan because you looked healthier. Right. Or older kids were allowed to use baby oil with iodine to prevent birds <laughs> burns and use a reflector to bake themselves in the sun. If you've seen that, where it's oh, like, yeah. those, like I remember those reflectors, those like metal, like they almost look like the things you would put on your windshield to reflect oh, yeah. off of your dash. Instead, mm-hmm. they're putting it around their face. Imagine a ten-year-old. I gotta get my rays. Mm-hmm. I gotta get my sun cancer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Another good thing that back in the day, sleeping in the back window of the car on road trips. Ooh. So kids would take turns sleeping in the back window of the car while it was moving, since above the seats in the back window was a place small bodies could stretch out. So if you were the youngest, get in the window. And we've already discussed in previous episodes that there was basically no child restraints or baby seats of any kind during this time. So everybody was going to die. Well, I was going to make a note of that. But when we were doing the mom cars, you went into like child seats and Mm -hmm. regulations and stuff. So I was like, I'm not going to chase that again. Sorry. There was also something called, I'm going to spell it wrong. I'm going to say it wrong. Mercurichrome. Mercurichrome. Mercurochrome? Yeah, Mercurochrome. I don't know what it is, but I know that's how it's pronounced. Um, This dark pink over-the-counter antiseptic Uh went on every boo-boo. It stung, it smelled, and it stained. It was in every medicine cabinet until the FDA started looking more closely and figured out that drugs containing mercury can be harmful, and if you use enough of it, could affect the brain, kidneys, and babies in utero. Oh, no. The, oh, yes. the only reason I've heard of it is because there's a lyric in the musical Rent where, where Angel says, the nurse took him home for some Mercurochrome. Then I dressed his wounds and got him back on his feet. <laughs> yeah, you don't want that yeah. on you, no. No, that's, that's bad. That's bad. 
And then lastly, kids back in the day liked to chase trucks emitting poisonous vapors. Yay! So there was no warning that pesticide sprays were coming. Just the delight of kids who found it fun to run behind the truck that sprayed poison to kill mosquitoes and other hazardous chemicals. The fog it made was enticing and it smelled good too. Mm -hmm. Running and chasing the trucks was fun. Not to mention that jumping on the back of the moving cars and running along with them was also a sport back in those days. True. I will say my mom said that she did it a few times and it kind of has made her paranoid with the thought of how many times she's had cancer and stuff. And Mm -hmm. she's just like, did I do it to myself? But I told her you can't. Yeah, think about that. Yeah, you can't just judge it on that. She's, of course, she's telling me the story, and I'm like, wait, hold up, you. (laughs) I said, what? They were spraying like D, like from like like like. She's like, yeah, I look like a little ice cream truck. She was like, it smelled really good. I forget what it's called. I think the book was called The Silent Spring or something like that. (laughs) That came out and basically, uh, y'all know how dangerous this is, and it was first and people like, oh. Maybe we should do that. Yeah, like, they would go through neighborhoods and spray, so that's mm-hmm. why, like, you know, everything looked so luscious and there was no bugs or anything, because they were killing everything. And everyone's eyeballs were falling out. Yay! All right. Let's go lick some more lead paint. Blah. So, 1970s became more of, I would call it, I didn't get much background history on it. But I like to call it the loose time of parenting. Mm-hmm. And so what I found were some things that 1970s parents did. And then I found one really funny blog where it was 1970s parenting, the hot new parenting style you have to try. So first, <laughs> here's some things out there. So again, lack of car seats. In the 70s, mamas um, held babies in their laps in the front seats of cars. Mm-hmm. They would let kids wander outside alone. They would patch up their clothes. They wouldn't you wouldn't get brand new clothes. You just right. keep patching it and fixing it till it was done. Kids were allowed to catch their bugs and keep them as pets. Mm-hmm. Uh, candy cigarettes were all the rage, and that went into the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Um, rubbed whiskey on sore gums. Forgot about that. Yep. No helmets. And then I remember doing this when I was little, but driving, like riding on your dad's lap and driving the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That was popular back then. But here's some that are really good. Um, so if you're having a moment that she was thinking about back when her mom parented her in the 70s. Okay. So she's like, scream, get out of my hair when they ask to be entertained. Oh, my gosh. And don't yes. feel guilty for even a second. You have mom stuff to do. You don't need to be coming up with activities for your rug rats. I think your mom must have read that. Get out of my hair! I don't know if she ever said get out of my hair. She would say get out of the house. Get yeah. out of the house! Like, it's not my job to entertain you. Go back and swing! That's why we bought you a swing set! <gasps> it doesn't it. have a slide on it. Are you serious? Be happy with what you got! Shut your face! Basically. <laughs> um, make whatever you damn well please for dinner. Which, mm-hmm. I kind of do that now. Yeah. Um, there is no asking for opinions from the kids or accommodating everyone's picky requests. You make one dinner. They eat it or go hungry. Mm. That's my mama. Yes. And I, I don't necessarily think there's a problem with that. You don't have to be no. a short order cook. Now, I mean, there are some nights where I just have no idea. And the girl's like, let's have spaghetti. And I'm just like, fine, spaghetti. Like, sure. <laughs> this is one that it, it was it was common around my house because we were all just short people anyway. Get them a step stool to reach the cupboards. 
How else can they fetch and prepare their own snack? You're not a servant, and Days of Our Lives isn't going to watch itself. Yes, that's so funny. Oh, I had some... I was telling people how I rearranged my pantry to put all my girls' snacks on the bottom shelf. Mm-hmm. And they were like, what'd you do that for? Now, now they're going to eat snacks all the time and blah, 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 blah. And even Mark said something. I was like, look, I am tired of fetching them a pouch of applesauce. Mm-hmm. They can get their freaking lazy butts up and get them some applesauce if they really want it. Or a fruit roll up. I don't give a shit. I got stuff to do. Mm-hmm. I am not their maid or their helper. And people were like, what? And so then, but then I tell my mom and she's like, well, good. They got to fend for themselves. Mm-hmm. Very nice. <laughs> like, this is where I came from, people. And, this is how we do it, my tribe. And forget the step stool. My mom showed me how to pull a chair over to the, <gasps> the counter. Yeah, Climb on top of the counter and, like, catwalk across <laughs> to get to the other <laughs> You just, like, shimmy. <laughs> I'm picturing, like, a Mission Impossible setup. This is awesome. Damn, I got the Swiss cake rolls, though. Let me tell you. Yes. Yes. She would put them up at the very... Well, she had my dad put them at the very top thing, and we went and find them, because that was their stash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kids are, like, the most determined people when it comes to getting something they want from a high place. Yeah. Well, my sister Jennifer is a chocoholic, like a chocolate fiend, so I think she could just smell it, like, mm-hmm. within, like, a radius. Like a drug-sniffing dog at the airport. Yeah. This one's funny. Forget a babysitter. Hang a key around their neck. Kids of a certain what? age. Kids of a certain age are capable of being home alone briefly. Now, this would be fodder for a CPS visit. At a certain age, but I'm guessing their certain age is much different than what we think today. Then it was just saving money on a babysitter. I was home alone a lot, but I had a sister that's six years older than me, so she was always like a teenager when I was home. So, Um, have zero idea what toys they have and definitely never play with those toys. Oh my gosh. They are toys. They are for kids. Why do moms need to worry about it? Let me put it this way. I'm a big kid at heart. Mm -hmm. I'd much rather do a Lego set. Yeah. That's just me. Barbies, not so much. Lego set, puzzles, board games. I'm down for that. When they need something and you're on the phone, ignore them. Or as my mom used to do, the big giant wave to make us go. (laughs) I'd say we always got the, not the, excuse me one moment. Mommy's on the phone. I will talk to you when I'm finished. <laughs> no, I got, I got, my mom was be on the phone and she'd just be talking, would not break a thing. And she'd be like, swat, swat, swat you away. If you come too close, she would smack you. Don't hang up on someone because your kid wants to play Candyland. They can wait until after you're done on the phone and after you have another cigarette, damn it. I just love how it's, I love how it's phrased like someone just made it like an Instagram list. Yeah. It's very much in the tone of today. But yet, yeah, I agree. They can wait till you get off the phone. Yes. Uh, you don't have to have a cigarette, though. No. Um, if they say they're bored, lock them out of the house. Ah! If the kids complain about being bored, out the door they go. They will learn pretty quickly not to complain. And That's lastly, true. never for one moment worry that you're a bad mother. There is no such thing as mommy guilt for the 1970s mom. Fed, clothed, sheltered, wonderful. Back to reading magazines and sipping instant coffee. Well, there is something to be said for that. So that's why I said I think the 1970s is more laid backish, mm-hmm. ma parenting style of whatever. Yeah, because more women were working 
more time was being adjusted. They were becoming more than just, you know, the child bearer and the homekeeper. Yeah. And as far as, like, meals, if they had time to make a meal, if not, it's TV dinner or whatever it was. And that's as far as we went, right? Yeah, I don't think we did 80s or 90s because yeah. we said it was a little too... Because that started to get into our era. That just feels weird to analyze for some But reason. I have to say that, like, reading the 1970s stuff, I was laughing. I was like, this was, this was my mom. Forget the 80s. Like, she was just like... Did you go dig up something? I remember, I mean, she would just say all kinds of stuff to us. Like, just if it rained, be like, just go to your room. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, Sabrina was like, "They're so sad. You had to play by yourself a lot, mommy." I'm like, "What? Didn't seem sad mm-hmm. to me." I'm like, you're missing the point of the story. The point <laughs> is, you've learned to self-entertain. Yes. Yes. I there is part of me that really is kind of sad about the fact that it's much harder in this day and age just to be able to send your kids outside and like just let them roam the neighborhood and stuff because i mean we did that to a certain degree growing up you know we were a little my parents were a little bit more cautious where like i had to tell either them or my babysitter hey i'm gonna go down the street to x's house and let them know if we went anywhere after that but yeah this day and age it's yeah if i that's not really something that you you don't know automatically feel comfortable doing yeah i mean i if i did walk over to a friend's house i would actually call back to my house Mm -hmm. and say hey i made it yeah like that was their rule was to say hey i made it or a lot of times it would be like one of my sisters and i'd be like tell mom i made it and they're like okay and then i'd be like i hope to god they do tell them (laughs) i'm sad that i don't feel like i can be comfortable leaving them in the backyard by themselves and that might come when they get older. I might. But, they might. Yeah. Like, but I remember being at least Sabrina's age and being outside all day in my backyard. Mm-hmm. Not thought about anybody walking up and talking to me. But my sweet husband's like, no, I need you out here because they get on the trampoline and they want to do this and they want to do that. And I'm like, well, sorry. I know you're trying to do yard stuff, but I'm trying to do house stuff. Mm-hmm. and. You'll find the balance as they get older. Oh, I know. I know in a few years, Aurora will be big enough that they can both swing on the swing set without her being in, like, the baby seat swing. Of course, by that time, this one will want to be in there. Again, you want to have a third one. I know. I know. (laughs) Quit reminding me. I know. I was just sitting here thinking the other day as they ran off to the playroom, and I had, like, a good 45 minutes of just me time. And I was like, and I felt her kick, and I was like, crap. This is short-lived. Mm-hmm. But it'll be awesome. No, it'll be fine. So, my disclaimer that I've been hinting yes, at the whole time. I'm curious. Now that we've had a good laugh and a good good time judging things. I'm curious. Um, so, a very important point, and this actually was thoroughly described in, an, in one article I found. And once I read it, I was like, huh, I actually really agree with that. We shouldn't judge the parents of the past too harshly, especially those who lived over 100 years ago or early 20th century, babies died much more frequently back then and people didn't always know why. Yeah. So people would cling to the advice of anyone to see who seemed to be an authority on the subject. So it's more just like, we aren't necessarily smarter now, we just have more information available to right. us. So think of right. like, you don't know what could be killing your child and you are just willing to do whatever anything even if that means covering them in lard or giving them black coffee or putting them in a cage that's hanging off the side of the building speaking of which i got the picture to come up Ah! look at that baby's face and and you see all the ones below it's (laughs) it's like 
do you see this? I know, but look at that baby. I thought you no. could see if the window was open or closed, but um, that baby just has that look of like WTF. Why am I WTF, mate? You can see its little teddy bear Aww. in the back. Baby. That's a chunky baby, though. Yeah, and all the different things that I talked about, you know, don't pick your baby up a lot, especially in the 1800s and early, early 1900s. You had, usually had like five other kids running around. Yeah. You were trying to feed everybody trying to you know work the field or the family business or whatever it was do all of that stuff a lot of that was just out of freaking necessity you didn't have time to pick up your child all the time so they needed to learn to kind of self-soothe at a very early age so it's it's stuff that's very easy to judge from where we are but it's i kind of felt a little bit bad after i read them like "Mm, that's kind of true yeah but I don't, I don't have it written down, but I remember things that my mom told me when I was, after I had Sabrina, like, she's like, well, they told us that we needed to start giving you guys water at, like, 10 days old. Hmm. And I was like, well, did we like it? She was like, no, y'all would choke on it. And I would be like, why do I need to give them water? They're already having formula, yeah. which now it's like, if they have breast milk or formula, they're getting enough liquid. Right. Um, and then I think she said, like, starting solids at, like a month or two old or something and I'm like no I said well studies and I've told her I was like there's been some scientific evidence that if you start too soon on solid foods that it can lead to gastrointestinal issues and she was like well damn y'all all all have like ulcers and acid reflux and all sorts of stuff and I'm like well mom you didn't know they didn't know but like some of the stuff she told us I was like what's the wonder we didn't choke she's like I know she's like sometimes I would just be like "Uh uh-huh yeah we're doing that but she's like I wouldn't do it because she's like she's like especially you you had a hard time you were fine with the formula but you had a hard time drinking water or juice or anything like that so but she a, just stopped. There's a lot to be said for listening to your motherly instincts. Yeah. In She's like, I just told the doctors, uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing that. Sure. But yeah, so, yeah. so there's some things that she said that like we were having solid foods at like, like solid, solid foods at like six, seven months. And I'm like, what? Uh, I will mention one thing just because I, I heard a really interesting podcast about this recently. A bad piece of parenting advice that came out in... It might have been the 90s, might have been as far back as the 80s, but it was about trying to prevent peanut allergies by keeping all nuts away from your child until like the age of three. Mm -hmm. But we've now learned that that's it actually does the opposite. It makes you much more likely to have a peanut allergy because it, I won't go into all the boring, sciencey specifics of it, but basically it's why it seems like these days you can't go into a classroom without you know at least one or even several kids having some kind of nut allergy that you have to yeah watch out for and my OBGYN even said to me back when I was pregnant with Sabrina that mm-hmm. the even just a few years before that the mindset was the pregnant mom not to eat any nuts mm-hmm. any nut butters or anything like that while they were pregnant and now it's shown that whatever the mother eats the child is not only ex- gets the nutrients but also gets the flavors it gets the different enzymes Mm -hmm. and it helps build an immunity to a potential allergy Mm -hmm. so they told me they were like are you allergic to any you know nuts or nut butter i was like no they're like do you like it i'm like heck yeah they're like well eat as much as you want so i certainly do Mm -hmm. with all three of my pregnancies it's Mm -hmm. like peanut butter out the wazoo and 
Um, they told me both times when they got to nine months to give them, you know, just like a little bit of a peanut uh, peanut butter on a one of those chewing biscuits kind mm-hmm. of things just to see if they have a reaction. Neither one of them did. I created a monster at that moment. So. <laughs> But I do know I do know a few people with kids that have nut allergies, and so I'm not 100 percent blaming them. I'm just saying, like, no. and it's still it, possible to do all those things and still have a child with right. nut allergies. But that's why there was such a boom for such yes. a long time. And what I thought was really crazy was one of the doctors who was kind of the first to realize, ooh, maybe the isolating the kids from a method is not good. He was going around and doing all these conferences and doing these speaking tours. And everywhere he would go in the U.S., he would kind of break the ice by saying, hey, everyone, the doctor who um, has seen a kid with a peanut allergy in the last year, raise your hand and usually be like 95% of the room. But then he went to um, somewhere in the Middle East. It might have been like Israel or something like that. And he did that same speech, and only, like, two out of a hundred doctors raised their hand. He's like, wait, did I not say the question right? And they're like, no, we almost never see peanut allergies here. And apparently there, there's a very, very popular snack that is infused with either dried peanuts or some kind of peanut product. And kids are just devouring it from a very early age. And so because of that, he was like, oh... They're introducing it into their system from a very early age, and it seems to be having a positive effect. I just thought that was the coolest thing of how he started investigating that. Well, and like Middle Eastern and Mediterranean, and even like Thai food and mm-hmm. stuff have a lot of like peanuts and that's nuts true, not tied into that. their diet diets yeah. and stuff. So that makes sense yeah. why they would have that like kind of as a baby snack. So it it's, you know, we're going to keep learning more and more and even we are going to do things that people are going to be like, "What the hell were they thinking?" But yeah, but there's yeah, I'm sorry, but don't give your kids black coffee. Oh my god, no. I can't imagine. Like I no, just poor little tummies. And the way that they the way they sold it as it's like <laughs> get used to the morning habit. Like I don't like to me, that's like the same logic of start giving alcohol to a 12-year-old. They, they, got, they got to get used to pounding one back at the end of a long day. I was going to say something similar. Like, that's like Ugh. giving like a beer to a kid at that dinner and be like, oh, you you know, bond with dad. Oh, there you my go, gosh. Johnny. I know it's been a hard day at the sandbox. Got to throw one back. That math test really did me over. <laughs> The kid sneezed in my face again. <laughs> Give him a shot of tequila to burn the jar. Uh, Honestly, when whew. I was so choked up last week, I was like, God, I wish I wasn't pregnant right now just so I could have a shot of tequila to just like, or whiskey just to like burn just everything Just to clear out. stuff out, mm, girl. Make my throat feel better. I know that sounds yeah. weird, but it really would have. Soon enough. I know. Soon enough. I'll say I'll bring you a shot to the delivery room. I tried to get my dad to smuggle me a beer last time, and my mom was like, what? What are you guys talking about? I was like, well, Girl. I gotta ruin everything. She's like, you just had a baby. You don't need one. I'm like, I know. Let me know what your beverage choice is. I got your back. <laughs> oh, shoot. I'd take even one of those little seagrams that you have. Yes. Oh, that's get desperate. The, <laughs> get the fuzzy navel one. Girl, you've been without for nine months. I'm going to set you up better than that. Don't you worry. Yeah, just don't tell my husband that you're doing that. You could be like, it's, you know, put a different label on it. Like, it's orange soda. That's like saying, I want a steak and I give you a McDonald's hamburger. (laughs) Oh, that's just sad. 
Oh, well, this All is right. cool. I, I really like your idea for this Thank topic. Thank you. I thought it would be fun. Check. It definitely was. Yes. 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 And I got to exercise some righteous anger on some misogynistic individuals from the Again, 1950s. Again, I don't, I don't understand their age and their weight having to deal with how they <sighs> discipline their children. But whatever. It's patriarchy at its best. Yay! Effing patriarchy. Yay! Yay! Well, thank you all for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Sarah Duncan. And I'm Pamela Walker-Dees. Bye-bye! Bye! Thank you so much for listening. Our theme music is by Yov Aliagon. Be sure to check out the Motherhood on Tap page on Facebook. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcast. It really helps to get the word out about the show. You can subscribe and follow Motherhood on Tap on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and most other podcast apps. If you have questions or funny stories, you can email us at motherhoodontap at gmail.com. Partner with us on Patreon.com for special bonus episodes and help keep this podcast and the two of us in business. Till next time. time.